Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Put your hands together. What's up, Montgomeryville? Glad you guys are joining us, everybody watching online. And it's good to be here together in the presence of God. I'm especially excited to talk to you guys today because I'm talking about two things I am very passionate about, Jesus and wrestling. I love wrestling. I mean, not like WWE wrestling, like Macho Man Randy Savage, oh yeah, but like, like real wrestling. I mean, WWE has its own special place in, in my heart for me, for entertainment. If I'm talking like spandex, singlet, uh, real wrestling, like what's coming up in the Olympics. So I know that you guys are probably just as excited for me, and you'll know that wrestling begins in the Olympics in, in August, unless there's more setbacks. But I can just, I can feel the excitement beaming off of you guys for, to watch uh, Olympic-style style wrestling. No, wrestling is, is seriously, uh, it's the greatest sport ever invented, ever. I'm, you laugh. I'm dead serious. It is. And I'm going to prove to you right now. You can laugh all you want. I'm going to prove to you guys in Montgomeryville, right? No sport like wrestling teaches you uh, uh, intelligence, strength, agility, speed, self-discipline, uh, determination, perseverance. I know like some people will be like, oh, jiu-jitsu teaches that and so does karate, but I would say absolutely not, not even on the same level. Nothing does that as much as wrestling. Wrestling is also the oldest sport, uh, and not only that, it is the only sport that God has played. That's right. God wrestled. I'm serious. Watch this. Actually, there's, there's a story in the Bible where God wrestles somebody named Jacob. In Genesis 32, 24, it says, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Now, I want you to notice it clearly says what? They wrestled. That's right. It doesn't say that the man challenged him to a duel. It doesn't say that he challenged him to an all-valley karate tournament. It doesn't even say that he boxed him. It doesn't say they raced. It definitely doesn't say that they played basketball or football. It doesn't say that they played baseball. It definitely doesn't say they played Madden, Halo, or Fortnite. It says, Jacob was alone and a man wrestled him. Now, some theologians would say that the man that wrestled him was actually an angel sent by God, but I agree with what other theologians say, uh, that it was actually a male form of God. Therefore, most likely, it was, it was basically Jesus, and Jacob wrestled uh, with Jesus. And I believe that because I believe, you know, God wrestles his own matches, seriously. So uh, I, I think it's interesting, though, that it points out before this match got engaged in that... He was alone. It points out that Jacob was alone. It's interesting because isn't that when we find ourselves wrestling with our thoughts and our fears and insecurities and ideas when, when we're alone by ourselves, maybe driving in a car, kids aren't around in a shower. That's when we really start thinking and wrestling. It's also sometimes when God will do some of the best work in our lives, when we're left alone and there's no distractions and we're, we're relaxed and peaceful and we're away from the, the opinions and, and people and sometimes we're away from the comfort of those who love us. It's where God can reach us in the deepest places. The verse goes on to say, 
Genesis 32, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Sounds like a cheap shot. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked, what is your name? Jacob. It's a TikTok joke. Come on, guys, a little TikTok joke. He answered. The man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. I love the use of the word struggled here while they're engaged in a wrestling match because wrestling is a metaphor for struggling with our issues. Like I would say, I had wrestled with this sermon for weeks preparing it. There's so much in in the book of Jacob and about his life to talk about and preach about in so many different directions that, that you can go in. And it was extremely difficult up until this morning. But I was continuously drawn to this saying in the verse that says, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Maybe that's because I feel like that sounds like life for a lot of us. And I think that if we take a look into the life of Jacob, we'll find three very similar things that he struggled with with people. So we're going to jump into that right now because Jacob wrestled with people before wrestling with God. See, I'm going to go to before everything, before Jacob was even born. Jacob is the grandson to Abraham. Abraham, uh, start reading in Genesis about Abraham. It says that he was the father of many nations. He was actually really old. He was in his 90s. And God came to him and said that you're going to have kids. And he laughed at God because him and his wife have been trying to have kids for over 90 years at this point. But he said it's going to happen, and he does. He ends up giving him a son named Isaac. And then God tells Abraham to take his son Isaac to a mountain and kill him as a sacrifice. So in all of obedience, Abraham does. It goes up. He's about to to strike his son dead in the name of the Lord. And God yells, stop allowing Isaac to grow old, to meet a woman, a beautiful woman that he loved named Rebecca, who they ended up struggling with having kids and went a long time praying to God that he will please bless them with children. And then sometimes you got to be careful with what you ask for and pray for because God blessed them with twins. And it says here in the Bible... Genesis, not only with twins, right? Watch this. Genesis 25, 22, the babies jostled each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire the Lord, as anyone who follows the Lord should do that in such a situation. The babies were wrestling, and that is sibling rivalry at like all another level. It goes on to say, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was hairy. It's like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. It's pretty interesting because there's a very effective wrestling move called an ankle pick in which you grab the heel of your opponent to take them down. Just note that. But the name Jacob, actually, to this day, if you look it up, look it up and, you know, wherever you look things up, Google, and uh, see what the meaning of Jacob is, and you'll say the meaning of Jacob is he grasps at the heel. He grasps at the heel, and also grasps at the heel is actually a Hebrew idiom for he deceives. So from birth, before he was, before he could comprehend anything, he was told 
that he is going to be a always in second place, not good enough, lying deceiver. That was his name given to him before he could even comprehend. I heard from another pastor, this is interesting, that you become what you believe. What you think determines what you believe and every thought in your brain actually produces a neurochemical charge or change in your mind. Then these thoughts actually shape your life. Once your thoughts determine what you believe, these beliefs then determine how you behave. So in many ways, you become what you think about. This is so true. I've seen it in my own life. Since I was born, I was younger. I was the first one of three. And my dad told me, because you're the first one, you're always going to, you have to be a leader. You got to live above, above reproach. You're just going to have to do things differently. And he always, maybe because I had broad shoulders, even from birth, he said that you're the strong one. I'm the strong one. And to this day, I note myself on being strong. My sister was always told that she's the smart one. She's the smart one. And to this day, she thinks that she is the smart one. I mean, she was the only one of us three to go to college. Now, my brother, my brother was always the different one. And to this day, he's just got to be different. He just has to be different. <laughs> this is who we believe that we are. And we all find ourselves, me, my brother, and my, and my sister, are still like this to this day. I wonder if I was told that I was a smart one, if I would have went to college and played sports. I'm, I'm just very curious about it. And now the, the weird thing is I do it with my own kids. My oldest son, Uriah, I say that he is born to be, oddly enough, a wrestler. Because from the moment that I get home, that's all he wants to do is wrestle. I mean, he's quick, he's agile, he's athletic, he's strong. He's a wrestler. My daughter, she is soft and fluffy and she loves to cuddle. My daughter, Isla, she is my cuddler right? That's who she is. And my son, my youngest son, the third one, uh, he's a little bit huskier than the other two, a uh, little bit broader shoulders, kind of like his dad. And uh, I call him Brutus Beefcake. So, <laughs> man. so when you're like Jacob, though, and you're told that you're going to be a heel-grabbing deceiver from birth, that's what you become, and, and for Jacob, that's exactly what happened to him. That's what he became. And I'd be curious right now, what words were spoken to you since birth? What do you still hold on to that you believe is true about yourself? What words do you hear over and over and over again? Were you told that you're a loser or a failure? Did you become that because of that? Are you from a family that's extremely overweight? So because of that, you were told from a very early age that everyone in your family is overweight. So guess what? You are going to be just because of that, you're going to be overweight. So you, why even try to not be overweight? Why try to diet or exercise? Why do that? Because this is who you were born to be. Or when maybe you're told that you couldn't do something because of your size, your height, your strength, your ability. You're not fast enough. You're not smart enough. Maybe you're born into poverty, right? And you were always around people in poverty because you grew up in the projects and everyone said that because of this, this is who you are. You will always live in poverty uh, and the system will hold you down. And you believe it. Or maybe you were born into a family of politicians and you were told you are a winner. This is who you got to be. You have to live up to this expectation. You got to be smart. You got to be quick witty. You got to be better than everybody else. And now you, inside, it's difficult for you to live up to this expectation that is hard to meet. And you struggle and wrestle with that every day because of the words that have been spoken over you as a child. Jacob's identity was wrapped up in the people that were around him and told him who he was going to be. Jacob was in constant competition 
with people. Does that sound familiar? We don't talk much about being in competition here. So he goes on to say, Genesis 25, 27, the boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved his strong son Esau, but Rebecca loved Jacob. So she created a little bit of a mama's boy. And Jacob was always in competition with his brother. I mean, why wouldn't he be, right? Jacob was the man. He was big, he was burly, he was strong. I bet Jacob could play the guitar and pick the banjo like a champ. I mean, I bet if Esau was alive today, that Esau would drive a Ford F-350 Super Duty diesel, baby. I mean, Esau could skin a buck. He could run a trot line, right? Esau could survive, or so he thought. Because maybe Esau, he wasn't considered the smart one in his family either. Because watch this. In Genesis 25, 29, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some red stew. I'm famished. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good's a birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling him his birthright. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate it and he drank it. He got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. I mean, how dumb do you got to be to give up everything that you have just for a little fix? It's a different sermon for a different day, though. I told you, all sorts of different directions. But, but Jacob, though, right? He's been wrestling for that birthright since day one. Since before day one, remember, they jostled in the womb. He wanted to come out first. Then he grabbed at the heel. He said, no, I'm supposed to be first. And now he's been working for this birthright from his brother for his entire life, which goes to the first. A birthright is an inheritance that goes to the firstborn child. And now he got it. He tricked him into it so that he could be first. How many of us are like that? Huh? How many of us feel the need and the desire to prove to the world and everyone else and prove to yourself that you are better than them and you are first? Maybe, maybe it's because you find your identity in that. You know, Maybe you'll say whatever you can and do whatever you can to cut people down to ensure the fact that you are above the rest. Maybe you'll trick people, just like Jacob did, into thinking that, that you're their friend, you'll be cool to them, you'll like them, and you'll do everything else, and then you cut their legs right out from underneath them. I heard an interesting saying, or maybe it was actually a meme or a TikTok, but it stuck with me. And it said, people will want to help someone get better and stronger and reach their goals until that person starts to get better than them. And who in here lives with this deep competitive need to, to, to be first? Which is funny because the Bible says, Jesus says that the first will be last and the last will be first. Maybe you're like Jacob, well, you will cheat and steal just to be first. Oh, here's a good one. Maybe you're like Jacob, and you'll do whatever you can to compete against your siblings for the love and acceptance of your parents. Who here has been struggling with their parents loving their other sibling? Maybe, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe at work, you will do anything you can to the people that you work with, coworkers and teammates, just so that your boss can notice you. 
Or, or maybe, maybe it's a ring of friends for you. Maybe you have this circle of friends, but you have one particular friend that you're especially close with, and that is your bestie. And any time that somebody wants to get closer to your friend, you will go to them, and you will be sure to let them, yeah, I'll, don't, be, don't get close to them. They said that. You smell funny, and your mom dresses you weird. I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. You don't want to get close to them, all right? Don't trust them. I mean, we, we're cool. We're friends, but who does that? I, honestly, honestly. You know, James 4.1 asks us, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? We will scratch and claw, destroying relationships with no concern or regard of the outcome or how much hurt and pain you can cause those who are around you. Jacob did it. Man, on his dad's deathbed, on his dad's deathbed, he tricked his brother. See, his dad, Isaac, was, was dying. He was old, and he calls in his son, Esau, and says, Esau, go out and hunt me a big old buck, right? Or give me a big boar. Give me something good, and then I want you to kill it and bring it in and cook it up just the way I like it. And then when you come up, we're going to talk about this blessing that you get because you're the firstborn. Now, Jacob already got the birthright, but he doesn't have the blessing that can come from Isaac, which ends up coming from God, okay? So... What ends up happening is his mom hears this. She goes and runs and grabs Jacob. She's like, come here. This is what I need you to do. I want you to go up into the fields. I want you to grab the two best lambs that we have or sheep. I want you to bring them in. All right, we're going to butcher them. I'm going to cook them up. And then you're going to take the skin of the lambs and you're going to glue them onto your body so we can trick your dad into thinking that you're Esau, which is gr- how hairy do you have to be that you will use sheepskin? To- it's, gr- <laughs> it's gross. Maybe... Maybe Esau wasn't the man that much. I don't know. It's disgusting. But anyway, uh, so they do it. So they do it. They go in, and his dad, he was like kind of onto it. He's like, wait, I'm not sure if you're Esau. And he was like, what? I totally am Esau. And his dad was like, all right, cool. It's good enough for me. The soup was good, right? He didn't even cook it. His mom did it for him, whatever. So, and they trick him. He ends up blessing Jacob instead of Esau, and he stole that. And then all of a sudden, Esau comes barreling in, Dad, you should see this buck I got, man. And she, Wait, what's going on, guys? What are you doing? Freaks out, right? He's like, what? You got my birthright, and now you got my blessing, dude. Come on, I'm going to kill you. And they believed it because he had this look in his eye, and they knew that he was serious. But read, it, read the Bible. He says, I'm going to kill you, right? So his mom grabs Jacob, hides him, and says, listen, you need to go on the run. You got to get out of here. I have a brother that's very far away, Laban. You got to go live with him. So she sends him hiking on the road to a distant land. And here's where Satan wants Jacob. Right here is where Satan wants us. Scared, alone, isolated, and separated from other people. The desire to be in competition with other people, it's a trap. It's a trap. Satan sets it up like this using pride. He knows that if he can deceive us into thinking that we're fighting against ourselves and not him, that's when he can tear us apart from the inside out. I truly believe that there's a constant battle and an attack on us as followers of Jesus Christ. 
As we continue to take steps in our relationship with following Jesus, we all have our own issues and the things that we're figuring out. We have different uh, things that we're, we're walk, working through. And as we work through them, we notice that others are working through stuff too, especially as we live together, do community together, have, have home groups and stuff like that. And we can start seeing other people's issues. And instead of, instead of being there for them, we'll cut them down. Out of, out of a, a competitive heart, we'll tear them down, tear them apart. You know, maybe you're sitting in home group with someone. It's a woman's group, right? And you're talking to this one girl. This one girl, she desperately wants to find a husband, a man of God, right? But then you and the other girls, you see that she's posting pictures of herself in the Planet Fitness gymnasium where she's smiling, right? In the front, it's a good day. But in the back, in the mirror, in the reflection, you see her butt, right? And you start talking about it with your friends. She wants a man of God? Well, she's going to catch him fishing with that bait. What's wrong with her? Doesn't she know? I mean, how is she going to come here to home group and talk to people about Jesus and try and lead people to have a relationship with Jesus when she's off doing that and they can see that? Or, or, or maybe, maybe it's a guy, right? Men's group and you're talking about tithing in this group and giving what your first 10% back to God and this guy's like, yeah, I really want to do this. I want to start doing that and following God. And then he goes and buys this sweet boat, right? And then you start talking to the other guys, yo, can you believe he bought that boat? How's he going to tell people about Jesus when he's buying a boat and he's not tithing? God's not going to bless him. What's wrong with him? It's funny, Matthew 7, 5, it says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck of dust from your brother's eye. That simply means that, I think Jesus is trying to tell us, we're on different tracks. We got different struggles. We got different issues. Because of the sins that we have committed before, because of, of the things that people have sinned against us. And Jesus just wants us to realize that we are going through different situations and issues. And before we, we talk about someone and get mad and angry, we gotta remember what's going on in us. And Jesus calls us to, to love people, right? And love, by definition, in 1 Corinthians, is, is patient, is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Check this out. In James 1.19, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We need to remember what it says here in Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We need to take our thoughts captive at the moment that we want to be competitive and be frustrated and be angry, and we want to, we want to attack somebody. We got to take our thoughts captive and take it away from there, and we got to put that thing down, flip it, and reverse it, and aim it towards Satan. We have to take all that passion and aggression and aim it towards Satan. The battle is not against people. It's against the sin. It's, it's, we are not fighting against people. We are fighting for people here, okay? And I think that Jacob struggled with this so much with people and because he was hurt, because he was hurt. I heard it said once before from another pastor that hurt people hurt people. And that's true. He went on. He went on to his uncle Laban's house, long journey, got there. And it says that he was off in a distance and he's seen this girl at a well. He starts getting closer 
and he is like, dang, that girl is fine. So he approaches her with all confidence, and no lie, you read the Bible, please read the story. Here's some homework. He goes up to her, and he's like, I want to kiss you. It's weird, right? But, I mean, he's got, he's a wrestler, man. He's got some uh, wrestling spirit. So, but uh, she does what any good follower of, of God does. She runs and tells her dad. So she runs and tells her dad, this guy wants to kiss me. He's like, what? He comes out, and he's like, oh, that's your cousin Jacob. Must be Boyertown, right? You're not supposed to laugh at that. Come on. I'm from Boyertown. So, I mean, apparently, I guess Laban's totally cool with, uh, you know, wanting to kiss his cousin because he says, I'll tell you what, Uncle Laban will take care of you. You worked for me for seven years, and then you can marry my daughter. So, that's, honest, that's another sermon for another time. I can't explain that right now today. So, but, but, so what ends up happening is, is, is Jacob, I feel like it's like when you go to a new school, right? You have a new friends, you get a new chance to, to start over, right? And Jacob works diligently and honestly for his uncle Laban for seven years. And then on the night he was supposed to get married, he goes into the, into the room, the lights are off, and uncle Laban pulls the old switcheroo on him, right? Because Rachel, who he wanted to marry, she is gorgeous and hot, but apparently she had an older sister named Leah, who I, I quote the Bible, is butt ugly, the ugly part, not the butt ugly. I added the butt ugly. So, but she was ugly, okay? So Uncle Laban pulls the old switcheroo, and then he wakes up in the morning to find that it's Leah in his bed, and he's like, what the heck? I'm going to my uncle. Goes and yells at his uncle, why'd you do this to me? And he's like, well, it's customary that the first daughter gets, gets to get married. And he's like, no, not again. Always the first one. No, he didn't say that. Uh, but, you know, Uncle Laban says, I'll take care of you. So Uncle Laban actually lets him marry Rachel then, but says he has to work for another seven years. So now he gets swindled by his uncle. Uh, what ended up happening was Jacob worked for a total of 20 years for his Uncle Laban. And the Bible says right here that his uncle had cheated him over 10 times in the 20 years that he had been working for him on his wages. Cheated him on his wages. Jacob was hurt by his parents. His dad never accepted him. His mom always babied him. And then he's, she's the reason why he's not there, right? She kind of basically pushed him away. His brother hated him, which Jacob was probably a punk. His brother probably gave him tons of noogies. I think it's safe to say that we've all been hurt by someone that was close to us, whether it's a family member. Maybe, maybe you're very close with your spouse. You never thought in a million years that your spouse would have an affair on you, but they did. Maybe your family had a close friend that, uh, that they trusted, and then that person was not very trusting, and they molested you. And when you tried to say something, nobody wanted to believe you because of how close they were. Maybe you had a best friend in high school, and you went into business with him or her, and then they ended up taking everything from you. Or maybe, maybe you're like Jacob. Maybe you work honestly and diligently for your boss, and you continuously feel like you were being cheated on your wages. Again, another sermon for another time. I don't know what it is, but I know that Jacob was 97 years old when he left his uncle's farm after working for him for 20. That's a long time of pain and wrestling with issues over and over again. And I believe that if there's anyone in here that is wrestling with issues, these same issues in life, that if instead of wrestling with people and life on it, and you wrestle with God, the outcome will be extremely different. You'll see here, 
when Jacob wrestled with God, wrestling with God's a good thing. No matter what people say. Wrestling with God is a good thing. It's not the same as fighting against God. That's bad. Fighting against God, uh, I'll make that clear for you right here, is, is living in direct disobedience to what the Lord says, what you read in the Bible. It's, it's ignoring the intuitions of God. It's avoiding God at all costs. Fighting against God is running away from what you feel he's speaking into you. But wrestling, wrestling is different with God. So we're often taught that it's not, it's a bad thing, that, that when we have doubts and uh, fears or matters of faith, things like that, we're lacking faith, that it's bad. But the reality is that it actually takes faith to wrestle with our questions and doubts with God. When we're willing to step into the ring with God and wrestle with him, uh, that's when our hearts can be set free and our relationship with God deepens. Kind of like when you go through a tragedy with someone and you go through it together, that that relationship ends up getting tighter uh, right in here. When we're willing to step into the ring with God and wrestle him with with our questions and our hurts and and our disappointments and and our fears and our negative thoughts, our concerns and and our heartaches and our setbacks and our circumstances and our bad reports, when we're willing to, to wrestle with him on these issues, that's when our hearts can be set free and relationships with God can deepen. When we're willing to wrestle with him through really hard seasons and things that that hurt and are and don't make sense, they're hard to understand, that, when we do that, that's when we actually end up growing. When we're willing to wrestle with Jesus, that's when we're able to grow. The thing is, you gotta be willing to wrestle with God. Wrestling is tough. I'm telling you, it's brutal. If you never play the sport, it is it's brutal. It's, wrestling is a full body contact sport. It, it's extremely uncomfortable to wrestle. It's arms wrapped around holding on so tight and maintaining a firm grasp on your opponent. Are you willing to do that with God, with your situations, with your struggles? Are you willing to stay in the arena with God? If you are, then I can teach you the technique of wrestling with God. Because you see, there's a skill to wrestling and there is a will to wrestling. What I mean is, is that obviously you need to know how to wrestle. There's technique to it. There's moves. There's things that you have to know. You can take someone who is an extremely uh, knowledgeable, technical wrestler, and they can do pretty well. But you've got to have what's in here. You can also take someone who has all of this and no knowledge of moves, no technique. They're just all heart, baby. And they'll go far too. But when you take the skill to wrestle with the will to wrestle, that's when you have the makings of a champion. And if you want to be a champion of your struggles today, then listen up. Because I'm going to teach you the art of wrestling. And I feel extremely equipped to coach you in this area because I have been wrestling for a few years now with my own personal issues. And this entire sermon, if you were tracking with me, I've been right there with you. I've been wrestling with... with Uh, doubts and negative thoughts for a long time, probably from a lifetime of words that were spoken over to me. And I have allowed Satan's lies to seep in and wreak havoc inside of my soul, which in turn destroyed close relationships and friendships that I have had. And it wasn't until a really good friend had pointed out to me that you gotta stop wrestling with people and you gotta start wrestling with God. She reminded me to, to seek out God in this situation. And that's the first part. The skill to wrestling is seeking God out. And there are many ways that you can seek out the Lord. 
just like there are many techniques for wrestling. For Jacob, he got into a common place for most people who want to seek out the Lord, a place that I personally love. It was quiet. It was peaceful. It was still kind of dark out. There was running water going right next to him. I love that. Alone, there's no people, no kids. That's where Jacob was. You want to seek the Lord, you find him in a quiet place like that. You can find him in your car when you're driving. Basically, anywhere where your kids aren't. Just kidding. You can find the Lord in the Bible, obviously. He wrote it. It's his words. You seek him out there. No matter what you're going through, what you're struggling with, go to the Bible. I mean, sweet, you can go on your phone, and there's an app, the Bible app, and you just type in in the bar, search, whatever you're struggling with, lust, fear, relationships, pride, pornography, whatever it is. You just type it in. And it'll go, then you can read about it as much as you want. I will take it a step further. We don't talk about this very much, but I would look for a book that relates with whatever you are wrestling with. For me, I told you it's been negative thoughts. I'm reading two books right now. One is called Power Thoughts by a woman named Joyce Meyer. Don't hate. I will do whatever it takes to get better. I will. And she's, a, she's an amazing woman and an author. But to offset the feminineness, uh, because... Bruce Beefcake. Uh, I read a book called Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Rochelle, and it's awesome, and it's been helping me through everything. When I was wrestling with anger issues, I read another book by a woman named Lisa Bervere, which is weird, but it's called Be Angry and Don't Blow It. It's talking about being passionate, and that's okay, but not destroying relationships. When I was working on becoming a godly man so I can prepare for, for marriage, I read a book called Fight, again, by Craig Rochelle. Seek out the Lord if you're going to wrestle with him, go to a friend who you trust, who you know is, is deep-rooted in God's word. Pray. Pray. When you're wrestling with God, your prayers can look a little bit different than normal prayers. You can scream out and yell, uh, again, probably away from other people because they'll think that you're crazy, right? You can yell at the top of your lungs. Cry out to him. Cry. Get down on your hands and knees. Beg God. You could do you can pray when you're driving. Just talk like normal with whatever you're struggling with. You, you can write it down. Write your prayers down in a journal every single day. You wake up, you get ready, write your prayers down in a journal. Or a good one is sticky notes. I love sticky notes. You put it on your dashboard, not my dashboard because it is crystal clean, all right? Don't touch my dashboard. But your dashboard, you could probably put it on there, your whiteboard. You know, a blackboard that's right outside your garage door so you see it every day, refrigerator door. I don't know, put it anywhere. But you write it on a note and you say that prayer every single day over and over and over again. You ask God for help, for help to get through the situations that you're working through, to help you wrestle through it. Pray for opportunities to get over these issues. Pray for wisdom and how to handle it or how to work through the situation and the circumstances. Pray for him to reveal the truth to you in this situation, because a lot of times we can be blinded by our own sin, our pride, and our issues, and our things. And be ready. Be ready when you ask God and you pray for other things, because sometimes he's going to reveal things to you that you're not ready for. Sometimes he's going to answer you in a way that you don't want. See, he doesn't always give us what we want, but he gives us what he knows that he needs. I'm sure Jacob didn't think it was ideal to have his hip crippled for the rest of his life, but I understand what God was doing when he was wrestling with him. Jacob needed that, man. He went his whole life being prideful and doing things on his own, and God had to show him that he is daddy. I get it. I, Uriah, wants, my son wants to wrestle me all the time, and every now and then, he gets me, man. He'll get me with a good one, right? And I got to give it to him just to show him who daddy is. You know what I'm saying? 
just to remind him how powerful and strong that I am and I could crush him like that. God had to do the same thing for Jacob so that Jacob knew that when he needed to lean on God, that he's there for him, that there's an all-powerful being who loves him and who will be there for him. And when he needs protection, he will protect him. When he needs to guide him, he will guide him. I get it. You do those two things though. You seek every day and you pray every day. And now here comes the will. And the problem is, is that you can't teach hard. You can't. I'm just, I'm sorry. It's, it's in here. But you can learn something from Jacob right here. And it's the fact that he never let go. The will to wrestling is to never let go. You can win match after match after match after match. And if you want to win, you got to hold on so tight to it that you won't let it go. You want to win so bad and you want that trophy so bad. And you want that medal so bad and you're tired of struggling with your issues and working through hurts and you want to get over it so bad. You have to hold on to God and you don't let go. When you're willing to wrestle through these situations, you don't let go. Jacob didn't let go. He didn't let go until God said, enough. Enough, man. I'm tapping out. We're done. No matter how hard it is, no matter how tired you get, you pronounce Jacob's resolve over your life and you yell, I won't let go. Let me hear you yell, I won't let go. Oh, come on. We're wrestling here. Let me hear you say, I won't let go. I won't let go. In Montgomeryville and in Phoenixville and online, yell right now, I won't let go. I won't let go of God's character because he's always good. I won't let go of God's word because it's always true. I won't let go of God's faithfulness because he'll never leave me or forsake me. I won't let go of God, period. No matter how I feel, no matter how things look, and no matter what other people say, like Jacob, we will declare, I won't let go until you bless me. You see, if you wrestle God like this, that's when you'll see change. And that's where the blessing comes in. You see, this is where Jacob overcame. After wrestling with God, Jacob was given a new name, remember? He was like, what's your name? Jacob, no, 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 no. Now you're not, a, you're not a heel grabber. You're not in second place anymore. No, you got a new name. Your new name is Israel. You want to know what Israel means? Israel means triumphant with God. No longer are you always going to be a loser fighting these battles on your own. Because you have wrestled with me on these issues and you have been triumphant with me. No longer does Jacob have identity issues because he knows who he is in God. He is triumphant with him. No longer does he need to be competitive with other people because he knows where he stands with God. How much more of a confidence booster do you need to know that you just tapped out Jesus? He can live with the hurts and his pains from his life and the people because he understands now that God had used those things in his life to prepare him for who he was going to be. I'd be interested to know, had Jacob not persevered through his entire life and been prepared to wrestle God, how that match would have went. I mean, he's a mama's boy. He probably would have been like, I don't know. And will you guys stand with me everywhere in here and bow your heads? 
close your eyes. In Montgomeryville, stand up, bow your heads and close your eyes. And who in here has been wrestling through life with hurt, with pain, with identity issues, scratching and clawing all on your own? Man, are you tired in this place today? Are you weak? Are you done? Do you have enough? Are you ready? Are you at the end of your road today? Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you come to Jesus, man, he wrestles with you. Getting ready for this sermon, I went to two two funerals. I was a part of two funerals. Uh, One of them was a close family friend, and one of them I don't really know. But I knew with both of them that they both wrestled their entire life with issues and struggles. My family friend, he, he died young. He used to come to this church. And I knew him when he was a young man. He was an all-American kid, man, stud, great football player. He was awesome. And uh, he got in an accident his senior year of high school and uh, hurt his back real bad, and they prescribed him pills to help take care of the pain. And that was it. That was it. That was the beginning of his wrestling match up until just a couple weeks ago. And these events, they, they triggered something in me. But one thing that it made me realize is the promises of God. And God promises that when you come to Jesus, that he takes care of everything. He's there for you. He's wrestling with you. He loves you. When you come to Jesus, you get accepted into the kingdom of heaven when you leave this world. It's promised that there is a heaven. And it's promised, the Bible says, that when one person comes to Jesus and gets accepted in the kingdom of heaven, gets saved, all of heaven rejoices. So it's clear to see that heaven is a party. That's a promise. What's not promised, despite what Biggie Smalls says, is that hell's a party. There's no dice in hell. There's no black Tims. There's no black hoodies. What the Bible promises is that there's gnashing of teeth. That's it. An eternity of hell and fire. And what else is not promised is tomorrow. I mean, we're not even promised another minute in this place. Nowhere is that promised in the Bible. So with knowing that there's not much time left, you don't know how much time is left. Anyone in this room with your head down and your eyes closed, I want to give you the opportunity to wrestle with the Lord right now. Maybe you already are in your heart. You don't know what's going on. You feel something. And I want to ask you in this moment, if you want to accept Jesus and stop wrestling on your own, accept the fact that he's your Lord and Savior. He loves you. He's a plan for you. And he wants to do great things for you. If that's you in this place today, you've been feeling something right now in Montgomeryville online, I just want you to put your hand up right now. 
Raise your hand if you want to wrestle with God. Raise your hand if you're tired of doing life on your own. You're tired of wrestling and struggle with your issues. Raise your hand right now. With everything that you're battling with. Let's pray as we, as we get out of here. For anyone responding to Montgomeryville or online. Pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to be here. Thank you that you love us and that you're with us. Lord, prepare us to continue to go out through the rest of our lives, Lord, knowing that we don't got to wrestle on our own anymore, Lord, that you are with us, wrestling with us, God. We don't got to be competitive. We don't have to worry about our identity, Lord. You are with us. I pray for anyone responding to you right now, Lord, that they will feel that immediately and they will experience you and feel your love, Lord. Father, we thank you and we love you for everything that you're doing and going to do, Lord. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, Father. Amen. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.